What's up, everybody? You're listening to Resonant Reels. I'm Adam. And I'm Chandler. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the first four episodes of season two of Breaking Bad. To remind you, it's my first pass through ever watching this uh, show. And Chandler gets to rewatch it and also experience it through the eyes of someone who's never seen it before and did not see it at the height of its popularity. It's it's exciting. It's fun. I'm having a great time. It's fun rewatching it for me because I connect more things together. But this is also one of those seasons where like there's a big overarching thing happening. And I don't know if Adam's picked up on it yet. I think he knows there's something going on and we can dive into that. This has been like already a very different vibe from season one, just like off the gate in the first episode of this season. I was just like, oh shit. I was like, things are so much higher stakes that it's horrifying. Let's, Let's dive into the first episode of Breaking Bad, 737. So it's written by Jay Roberts, but it's directed by Brian Cranston, our man, our legend. Well, first of all, I am grateful that this is a show that picks up exactly where we left off in the previous season and did not do like a a time jump thing because there was a part of me that was like, it's been a minute. Am I going to need to look over recap of season one, which I did kind of do. But then I started this episode and I was like, oh, great. I am literally in the moment where season one ended to start season two. And I was just as horrified starting this, this the, as I was uh, when I watched it at the end of season one. Because as a, a jumping off point, Tuco, the really crazy like drug lord guy, beat the hell out of one of his like lackeys. At the end of season one, we don't realize that like he beat him so hard he died. But at the start of season two, we sure do. It seems like Jesse and Walt are going to be able to like just leave. And then they literally get in the car. And then as they go to leave, like Tuco drives back up and they just like chuck this dude's body out of the car and start yelling at Walt to like save him. And meanwhile, the guy's like, He's dead. Like, he's been beaten to death. And that was fucked up. Dude, that was, like, that was just really rough to watch. And then the other guy, the other, like, henchman dude, Gonzo, I think we find out is Tugo's brother-in-law has to go, like, hide this other guy's body. Um, So he just kind of, like, shoves him under some cars. And that's, like, how it ends. Like, the, the end... During that, though, after Walt and Jesse see Nodos, like, get beat into a pulp, they're in the car, and Walt immediately just starts doing this math in front of Jesse. Like, Jesse's just, like, in shock. He's just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Do I drive? Like, I, I don't want to be part of this anymore. Like, this man is crazy. He's gonna kill us. Like, there, there's no, like, if. There's, it's when. When is he gonna just kill us? And Walt's here just doing math in his head. And, and Jesse's just like, what, what are you doing? And then he determines that like $737,000. That's that's 10 and a half. We'll call it 11. Have some extra on the top. That is it. 11 more deals and then we're done. And we walk and get out of this. And Jesse's, you know, like he, he's unsure because he's he's in this state of just conflict of 
I've been beaten by this man before, and now I've seen him, I think, kill someone. But, like, I've seen the resolve and confidence in Walt, so this could work, but also I'm hesitant because how many things already just working together have gone off the rails because Walt is just so lacking in some knowledge of the of this criminal world you know yeah and that's what's that's what i've picked up on too through this is like walt does not treat jesse well to be clear like he is a hundred percent using jesse like jesse is a pawn for walt to like do all of this and yet jesse's the one who wound up beaten in the hospital winds up in another situation which happens a couple episodes in as well which we'll talk about when we get to that episode but like Walt is kind of uh, more or less always kind of you know home free with everything and Jesse's the one who is constantly getting screwed over so Jesse's in shock Walt's doing math like <laughs> basically like gets home so the other thing we kind of realize which in season one was like done in a way that wasn't discussing, but it was like, it was clear that like the violence and the, the adrenaline like of what Walt is doing, like sexually arouses him. And in season one, that was kind of like a relief for Skylar because she was feeling very like distant from the marriage and that like Walt wasn't there and stuff. And then they wound up having like, you know, a fun moment. And then in this season, it is not a fun moment. And Walt just completely, I don't, I don't want to say like blacked out, but like he's, he's blacked out to what's happening around him. Like to her saying no, to her not being into it, to her saying like, wait a minute. And he's just like going for it. And it, it's, it's hard to watch. The attempt ends with, him finally just like coming back into reality and hearing Skylar like aggressively say like, stop. And she just kind of like leaves. And it was just a weird, it was a weird situation, but it was again, resulting from him just coming from seeing Nodos get fucking beat to death and then hid under some cars at this like junk lot. Like not not to give Walt any excuses because what he did that act was vile and disgusting, but like it seems like he was writing a serious panic attack and he just didn't know how to get out of it, how to calm himself out of said panic attacks because he's got all this paranoia and all this anxiety that he seems like he's never had in his life before, but because he's you know dove deep end into this criminal world. He's being quickly overwhelmed by it, but he's not healthily taking care of it. But like, I don't know how to healthily take care of all the problems you're dealing with, Walter. You have too many problems that you've put yourself in. Yes. Yeah, 100%. That was fucked up. Meanwhile, Jesse's freaking the fuck out with his own panic attack and gets a gun. And he's like, we have to we have to shoot Tuco because, again, it's back to the not if, it's when. It's like, when is Tuco going to come for us? Walt is like, we can't just like shoot him. We we have to be more like tactful than that. So Walt brings up like, oh, let's poison him. And then let's try to figure out how to do that. And then he goes into like a uh, a side plot, like 
like very teacher mode like let me tell you a story about like this particular type of poison and how it works and how it's like not going to be traceable and like all this stuff and it was again just another moment of like Walt is very clearly still in teacher mode with Jesse but also doesn't like care about Jesse I don't know it was just it just kind of made me laugh where he was like let's poison him but let me give you the reason why this is going to work and the story behind it and how I know about this. Yeah, here's some Cold War era special spycraft poison that I'm going to teach you about that we're going to utilize because we're so cool like that. Yes, exactly. It was so on brand for the character, especially in a moment of like a drug lord is coming after you and you're like (laughs) Cold War era poison. Got it. Meanwhile, we cut to Hank and the like DEA are reviewing the footage from the event of last season where Walt and Jesse stole the giant barrel of uh, methylene. Just like, like we already talked about just how funny that moment was and that it was just like a very interesting heist. But uh, Hank and everyone is fully just making fun of them like this whole time. Because they're like, it's a barrel. Why don't you just roll it? Like, it was like, they're like trying to like carry it out. And he's just absolutely like dogging on these two dudes because they can, they can tell that like these aren't like for hire, you know, criminals. Like, these are clearly very non informed, like not professional thieves. It's just, it's that moment of like, wow, Hank is literally watching his brother in law steal this and has no idea it's really funny i initially hank's just like like surprised and wowed of like the the expertise because the thermite on the door to get in he's like these guys are pros and then it's just like wait what are they doing Ah, oh, these are a bunch of bozos but yet have intelligence to like do crazy things of with thermite he literally calls them like spy motherfuckers or something like that and it's like <laughs> that i guess led them to the junkyard we cut back to like walt and just some other stuff that's you know going on in his kind of craziness but Hank's next moment in this episode is he winds up at the junkyard where Nodos' body was. We learn because he calls Walt. He's like, oh, dude, no, you got to see this. This is like, this is disgusting. Here, hold on. Let me, like, let me show you. Like, let me show you a picture, which is not out of character because, again, Hank fully brought Walt on the drug bust in the beginning of, like, season one, which is what led us down this rabbit hole of Breaking Bad existing as a, as a show. Uh, Walt sees that Gonzo is also dead. When Walt and Jesse left the junkyard, Gonzo was definitely still alive and like uninjured. What was interesting was that he had been like when Gonzo like slid the body underneath the car. The they made a they made a moment in the direction of showing that like the cars that were piled up kind of like shifted a little bit and like Gonzo saw it and then just like walked away. And then there were other scenes of Gonzo like before everybody left. But then in this scene at the junkyard with Hank, Gonzo's arm is like pinned underneath the cars and literally, oh, it was so gross. They like, 
try to they try to like lay him down after they get all the pictures and collect the evidence and stuff and the dude winds up like ripping his arm off so now the arm's just like still connected pinned between the cars and gonzo's body's just like armless on the ground that is something i'm still trying to figure out i think is how that happened well hank hank kind of describes it because hank's there at, at the crime scene he's talking to the guys he's like Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think I know what happened here. I think, I think this guy pissed off someone, pissed off Tuco probably. Tuco, you know, had him killed. So he was stashed under here, but his pal here felt bad. They didn't have a proper funeral or whatever or what have you. So he went to go back to retrieve the body, but then got himself trapped. And he just sat here bleeding out the whole time. Cause Hank's just like, you know, being all like cowboy having fun with it all because he finds it as a funny situation which is like it's a lot of dark humor so like you could see it funny but also like if you're in the shoes of walt and jesse who don't have that information or anything you think you know tuco's killing everyone yeah you're like absolutely freaking out um because that is how they take it they go okay gonzo was a witness and now gonzo's dead and you and i are witnesses so Tuco is absolutely going to come fuck shit up, basically. And so now they're like freaking out even more. Walt goes home. He like walks in and he is like phased. He is not responding to anything. Skylar is like calling for him and like saying hello. And like eventually he makes his way into the bathroom to like say hi to her. He gets a phone call, he he looks at it, and he hangs up. So I don't think we as the audience know who the call was. He just, like, keeps talking to her, and then he sees lights flash, like, through the window. And he meanders outside, and there is Jesse in his, you know, classic car. Walt walks outside to see Jesse and be like, why are you here? And then classic shot of like a gun just emerges from the back seat, and there's Tuco, and he tells Walt to get in the car, and Tuco has officially kidnapped Jesse and Walt. That was a crazy way to start this season. But also some uh, other side plots in this episode. We kind of learn more about Marie. Because there's a moment earlier in the episode where Marie's getting ready to leave and like Hank stops her before she's on her way kind of thing. And there's this kid playing with an RC car in the street and like accidentally like hits Marie's car. Like does no damage. It's just like hit the tire or whatever. And she's just, you know, on edge, it feels like. And, and Hank's just like, hey, remember, you've got that therapy appointment that you need to go to. And she's like, no, I don't. That's thursday or whatever and he's like no that's today and he's like no it's not you don't know when i have things to do and hank's like i just want to make sure you're just doing the commitment we said we would do because clearly there's like a commitment of like 10 appointments or something to see a professional to help marie because marie clearly has some sort of mental health problem which we kind of learn is very anger inducing because as she drives off she purposefully targets the kid's RC car and smashes it <laughs> and runs it over. And the kid's just like, uh, and it's like, because the kid was playing with it out of the way, like a, a good kid does when he's like, oh, this person's leaving in their car. I'll stay on my side of the street and give them the rest of the road. And Marie just like 
does a super right turn just to smash the car and then leave and take off. And it's and it's hilarious because Hank walks over to the kid and just starts giving him money <laughs> to like pay it off. But yeah, we learn further because then Hank does a drop visit to Skylar because Skylar has stopped talking to Marie because of the incident with the baby tiara. And to quote Skylar, she's tired of her spoiled kleptomaniac bitch sister. Earlier in the episode, like we see Skylar like listening to voicemails, but never calling back or like contacting. And Hank just gets to the point of begging Skylar to talk to Marie because he thinks it will help because he, he like uh, confides in her that like she's seeing help and he wants to figure it out. And he, I mean, he's also like playing off funny because he thinks it doesn't matter that like, oh, we didn't, ex- I didn't expect you to actually go and return the tiara. And then like that pisses Skylar off even more of like, you knew she stole it. And like Hank's like, I'm just trying to help the best I can. I just don't know how to. So like it, it shows a deeper character within Hank that like he wants people to be okay and healthy and good, but he's just like, doesn't know how he's a he's a goon <laughs> good way to put it but i love the 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 rant that skylar goes on in front of hank and hank's just like jaw drops because he like doesn't have the perspective i guess to realize everything like skylar's going through as a wife hank has blinders on about like everything that's happening outside really of his life right and I was just like, in that moment, rewatching that, like Skylar, like going off with this like brilliant monologue telling Hank off. I was just like, pop off, girl, pop off. You know, you you let people know that you're not OK and that you that people shouldn't expect so much from you, you know, because you got to take care of you and your family. I get it. She's an almost 40 year old pregnant mother who has a husband who's diagnosed with cancer and then a, a moody teenage son who, you know, is also struggling with his own, you know, problems, who she doesn't know where he is half the time because this is like one of those, we start in this season, Walt Jr. kind of just disappears a lot and says he's out with friends. Yep, he's doing the classic, like, I'm going out, and then we just occasionally see flashes of him leaving and kind of coming home, but we don't really know what he's up to. Um, So, like I said, great great way to just immediately kick off the second season because the momentum is going so then we get into episode two this episode grilled was written by george mastras and directed by charles Hayde. yeah so this one this one kicks off with walton and jesse are at a desert hideaway basically uh that tuco has brought them to and i love where this was filmed like visually it was so cool because it really is a desert wasteland like there is nothing except this little like adobe house and sand like everywhere but there is a fourth person at this house with us and it is Tuco's uncle Hector who is a very clearly like old incapacitated individual he's in a wheelchair he cannot verbally communicate. And the only way he can physically communicate is he has this little bell that is like rigged to his wheelchair and he just taps it a lot. And then we, we learn that taps mean different things, mostly 
it's one bell ring means yes. And I guess like when no bell rings just means no. And that's, you know, really kind of the only thing that we know definitively outside of when he is like hungry or wants attention, he'll just repeatedly press the little, it's like a hotel bell that you just like press the button top piece on. As we're in this uh, little like Adobe house, Tugo starts to, he's, he's doing the classic like, A, he's high he's and, and crazy. And he's, he's doing the very paranoid thing where he's just like walking around the house, looking through all the windows constantly as he explains the kind of situation that he's in to Walt and Jesse. And we learn that Tuco actually has no idea that Gonzo is dead. He, because Tuco knows that the DEA, meaning Hank and his team, has gotten basically like Tuco's entire team. Like his his whole like group has been picked up by the DEA. We find out that Tuco thinks that Gonzo ratted on Tuco and the team because the only person that he like hasn't heard from has been Gonzo. That gives Walt and Jesse like a small sigh of relief because they're like, okay, as long as Tuco doesn't know that Gonzo's dead, then we kind of have like a, a buffer because he is convinced that Gonzo is the one who snitched and therefore like we're still in this, but like he doesn't think that we, you know, had anything to do with anything. That was like their leverage moment, which was as an audience viewer, very fun to like watch those kind of like gears turn because it would almost seem to like Jesse almost let that information leak and Walt very quickly kind of jumped in and was like, you know, said something vague enough to be like kind of affirming Tuco's uh, suspicions of like how it is super strange that he hasn't heard from Gonzo. Walt's trying to manipulate people in favor of an outcome where he lives essentially and goes home to his family. That's all well and good until... Tuco reveals his master plan, which is he has kidnapped Walt and Jesse effectively to take them to Mexico. And he was like, we're going to, we're going to start a team. You are going to like cook for me all the time, basically. And I have a, a car full of cousins who are coming in. Like, I don't know. He get, he said like shortly or whatever to like, come pick you up. Meanwhile, he's like cooking breakfast like for everybody, like for his, for Hector, Walt, and Jesse and himself. And he's like, eat up. I don't need you like getting hungry basically and like losing your lunch on the drive to Mexico or whatnot. And so that is like an oh fuck point for Walt because he's like, I can't just be taken to Mexico. It's it's the classic like don't let them take don't let them take you to a second location. Basically like he's at the second location already. This is going to be the third. Like he can't go. So, they have the poisoned meth on them and they offer it to Tuco cuz Tuco's like like goes to get high and he makes a comment about how it smells different. Like it doesn't it, he says it smells like cheese or some shit jesse starts playing his part right uh which walt told him to do it's and so jesse is like really hyping up this new meth it's like a new formula it's really good and then he fucks it up because he had him tuco was ready to do this 
laced meth, they would have been out of the situation. And then Jesse has to go and say that it has a special ingredient. And Tuco's like, what's the ingredient? And Jesse's like, chili powder, which is a throwback to how Jesse always made his meth with chili powder. And Tuco goes, fucking hate chili powder. Puts the poisoned meth away, takes out the other bag of the, the classic blue meth, does a bump off his knife, and gets high. And we just watch Walt just get so pissed. And, and he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, what the hell? When they're at breakfast, Walt attempts again to poison Tuco. And he puts some of the poison in Tuco's food. As like Tuco goes to eat, his uncle Hector starts aggressively ringing the bell. It is like Tuco doesn't understand like what's happening. And because I mean, the guy can't communicate. He just in his high state, kind of just verbally abuses the hell out of his uncle, but like also is still fulfilling his basic needs technically, I guess. And he goes, Oh, you want like some of my like you want my food fine, like whatever. And so he slides his meal over to Hector. And so Jesse and Walt share this kind of like, Oh, fuck, look, because they are two things. Walt has picked up on the fact that Hector knew, like was consciously aware enough to know that they tried to poison Tuco. And now Jesse's also freaking out because he's like, fuck, Hector now has the poison food. But Hector in his state somehow manages to like knock the plate over. So the food just kind of like splatters and Tuco's pissed about it. But he just takes it as like his uncle being old and like not a person and whatever until Walt and Jesse are like sitting in the living room. Hector's just staring them down, like absolutely just mean mugging them. And that's even what Tuco says. Tuco comes in and he's like, are you, are you like mugging them? And like Hector does a little one ring on his bell to be like, yes. And he's like, he's like, do you not like them? Tio and he does one thing again and he's like oh like why why don't you you know why don't you like them meanwhile he's still high like he's he's not he's like getting amped up he goes like did they try to do something he rings the bell once and he's like oh like what did like what did they try to do did they try to like do something to me and he rings the bell once and Tuco loses his shit immediately grabs Jesse and like slams him through the front door breaks the front door has his gun out he's like ready to shoot and he's yelling at walt he's like tell me like tell like tell me or i'm gonna like fucking kill this guy walt caves and he's like we tried to poison you as walt says that jesse has dug like a rock out of the ground and like spins around and clocks tuco so that there is like a, a moment Walt goes and gets a gun out of Jesse's car and is like looking at it and is like trying to find like the moment to shoot Tuco, but he's literally in a brawl with Jesse. So it's one of those like classic hesitations because I can't shoot my friend, but like I need to shoot the other person. And Jesse gains control over Tuco's gun and shoots Tuco like in the stomach, basically, and gets the upper hand. Walt and, and Jesse managed to briefly escape. And as that happens, we'll cut because Walt has now just been fully missing. Like he's just MIA for like 
a couple days now. He has like zero contact with his like people at all, his his family or anything, anybody. So Skylar reaches out to Hank and is like, please help. Like, I don't know where he is. Like he is he taking his meds? Like, is he okay? Like, like what do we even do in this situation? And so Hank takes it upon himself to try and start to track down where Walt could have possibly gone. And one of the places that it, this search leads him is to Jesse's parents' house because he remembers that Jesse like sold Walt weed supposedly because that's the lie that like Walt told way back when. Jesse's mom was basically just like not having it. She was like, "Is Jesse in trouble? Like we haven't you know seen him in a while. Like we you know don't have contact with him anymore." Blah 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 blah. But one of the things Hanks bring up brings up is like, "Oh, is he still driving that car?" His mom's like, "Yes." So Hank off screen has managed to like track down Jesse's car. And since Tuco kidnapped Walt and Jesse using Jesse's car, Walt and Jesse watch as Hank drives up. Initially, they see the car and they think that it's the cousins that have come from Mexico. And so they're, they, they hide because they're like, fuck, like what, like what do we do? Because Tuco's still alive. But he's bleeding out from his stomach, basically, after being kicked in a ditch afterwards as well, after getting shot. And as the Black Dow SUV pulls up, Hank gets out. And we're like, oh, shit. Tuco is, like, kind of hanging over Jesse's car, like, obscuring his face. And Hank goes, like, Jesse Pinkman. And Tuco, like, turns. And Hank's like, oh, fuck, because in an earlier scene, Hank is with his DEA buddies trying to give him a pep talk about how they're going to like track down Tuco and they've got this. And then he walks away from the big conference room with his like partner and goes, yeah, they're never going to fucking find that guy. And so <laughs> and so now he's literally just like stumbled upon him and he's like, oh, hold on, like take it easy. And of course, Tuco does not take it easy. And he pulls a gun from Jesse's car and he winds up in a shootout with Hank, of which Hank wins and he kills Tuco in self-defense and so that is kind of how that episode wraps up is basically with Hank murdering Tuco because it was self-defense in that moment but the fact that Hank showed up was crazy I literally was like it was it was a plot twist that I was not expecting even after I knew he was trying to track down Jesse's car I truly thought it was also the cousins they did a really good job at making me think that Walt and Jesse were just eternally fucked in this episode. Yeah, there's a lot of well, well-crafted well ways to, like, send you down this river of of a plot, expecting you're going to go down one set of rapids, but then quickly we're going down a different set of rapids. And, it, and it's, it's so much adrenaline pumping, too, because you just get lost in in the intensity of it all. Like, especially with, like, the shootout, when, like, when, like Hank shows up, during the first fight with Walt and Jesse versus Tuco, it was getting chaotic. And like when they got the gun from Jesse's car, Walt accidentally hit the hydraulic system. So the car starts like hopping up and down. And I, I don't know if you if you notice, but like it's an actual little detail that's really cool. The hydraulics of the car start like really intense. And then like it stays intense during like the most intense parts, but then it calms down 
when the intensity goes away and then like it amps up again when Hank comes in and then like also like uh, I think the intent I read for trivia the intent of it was to mimic like a heartbeat and the adrenaline of the situation I definitely got that but like that's really cool and then during the the last act so like after Hector has thrown the plate of food and it's like Hector is like still hitting the bell like crazy the way he's ringing the bell initially before being asked questions is morse code for sos which is kind of clever oh i didn't catch that okay and then a fun fun on set production fact when tuco threw jesse out the door so raymond cruz when he actually threw aaron paul at the door he knocked out aaron paul oh no way wait that's crazy clearly apologetic it just happened that way you know he just like nailed them like off the part of the door and just knocked out aaron paul and i think that's the shot we see because you know you have to put that shot into the show oh yeah i mean it was uh, it looked so real also like throughout this episode skylar and marie kind of start talking a little bit during the searching of walt because skylar you know goes crazy full-blown panic because the Walt she saw before he disappeared was someone she didn't recognize. Mysterious phone call. And like, she's like asking Hank the whole time is like, he got a mysterious call kind of thing. And then like Hank has to disclose, but didn't want to because Marie, you know, has a big mouth and doesn't care about other people's emotions. Hank's like, I think that's a second cell phone. Yeah. Cause there were no cell phone records for like Hank's or for Walt's phone getting a call. And so that sends Skylar down this like little spiral of like, what else is he hiding from me? And this kind of starts sparking the thing that you expected Skylar to initially do to think he's cheating. I mean, it sparks not only that thought process, but like what else could he be doing with a second phone? But then like also it's like, it's hilarious the, the amount of missing posters that they made within like a day is there a plastering everywhere? I didn't know you could have so much printer ink and be okay. I thought I would think that's be expensive. <laughs> but like at the end, after they see Tuco get killed, Jesse's getting ready to get up to like, you know, go to Hank. And while it's like, no, we're getting out of here. And they just run, you know, away from the whole situation. And then it just leaves you like that. And then we get into our Next episode, the third episode of the season, Bit by a Dead Bee, which was written by Peter Gould, directed by Terry McDonough. And Peter Gould, yeah, he wrote for some of the episodes in the first season, right? That's a name that I remember. He'll he'll keep popping around. He's kind of one of the part of the writer's team, kind of for this, and then especially for Better Call Saul. Our next episode basically starts with Walt and Jesse hitchhiking or at least walt is hitchhiking so they're on the side of the highway and he just gets in the back of a a truck with some people who don't speak english and had we're just there jesse was like dude this is this is crazy is this really like what you want to do and walt's like yeah and so he gets in the car and the car drives off and like jesse doesn't get in the car so we don't really see how jesse gets home but walt his plan, which I was a little confused that this was um, a plan. And then I very quickly caught on is because we jumped to these shots of just like a poor supermarket employee, just like finding random articles of clothing throughout the store. 
and it's like a it's like a scavenger hunt that leads her to a completely naked Walt in front of like a refrigerator section, just standing there, no clothes, and he's just like basically pretending to be super out of it and like disoriented and everything. And he gets taken to a hospital. Skylar shows up and she is just like obviously so relieved that he's there and that like he is alive and back and he starts saying that he has no memory of what happened starting all the way back from him walking into the house that night that he got kidnapped so he basically claims that he lost his memory at some point on the drive getting home and does not actually remember getting home and it works like everybody believes him but what it does cause is a bunch of like tests and stuff to like make sure that he's okay because they're like well why did you have a stroke like why are you having memory loss does this have to do with the cancer like it's all stuff like that slowly but surely like every single test starts coming back negative as to like why this would have happened and so they ultimately have to like mark it as an isolated incident and that's kind of where that gets left for the moment and then we cut to jesse so jesse does get home eventually and we have his friend badger who comes back who i believe the term we established for badger was he's a smurf because he just goes and buys like sudafed all the time right he gets badger's help to get back and also like that rv that they were that they would take out to the desert to cook in he packs up all the stuff that was in his basement puts it in the rv and badger's cousin gets called to come like tow the rv to his shop basically and the reason this happens is because he knows that the dea is watching him and so he's like well i need to clear this out and then when they raid you know the house like they're not going to find anything but also he doesn't want to like live with paranoia anymore so he kind of like gives them a reason to find him and like start the investigation and they do they they break in or you know not break in but they break down the door to the motel room that jesse's in with his like sex worker girlfriend person that he's with often yeah so the, the end of the plan i guess walt came up with was just like go back to you know that you know seedy motel area at the crystal palace that it's called and be with wendy use her as your alibi for the the time missing so that's what he does and then he gets picked up by the dea but he sticks to his story he's like i've been shacked up with wendy this whole time and then they interview wendy and hank and his partner almost get her to crack and then wendy recognizes hank from that episode in season one where he brought walt jr in the car to basically literally do nothing except harass her and she's like you wanted me to sleep with that kid and then his partner's like what and then hank's like nothing like well we'll talk about it later but because she recognized him she doesn't flip and she sticks to the story that jesse was with her that whole time but hank still does not believe her or jesse obviously so what winds up happening is we get hector well before that there's a lot of intimidation on jesse because like there's also like he he throws in of like 
well, we found your vehicle. Didn't you know your vehicle was missing? He's like, oh, you found it? Didn't know it was even stolen, kind of thing. And it's just like, oh, well, too bad you're not getting it back. And, you know, Jesse's just like, knowing he's gonna have to deal with it and then like out of nowhere he drops a bag of his money his share of all the mess he and walt have you know sold and like that pisses jesse off because he's gonna lose that money now and he's like "Ooh, this sixty seven thousand dollars man good charitable cause to the dea man we need new uh softball jerseys you know and stuff like that and it just you know it grinding jesse so far down but like jesse holds strong like that there there is something to be said about jesse staying strong through this like he clearly has a lot of tenacity to like not further lose himself in this crime world because he clearly as we saw in season one wanted to somewhat get better in some regard because at least not no longer being an addict because clearly that was ruining his life but who's to say if that's successful you know because he's been on a roller coaster of nonsense and i also think it says something regarding too of how like i think he was confident in knowing that like they didn't have enough on it okay so then hank brings in hector to identify jesse it is like i props to the actor who plays hector because his facial expressions when acting were so expressive and evocative like i was scared i was like oh my god like you could just feel the tension and you could just he had the smallest nuance in his face of that just read as like I'm going to ruin your life. And he was answering questions too of like, do you recognize, you know, this person? And he clicked like the bell once as like a yes. And it was like, after the first like, yes, Jesse makes a comment. He's like, what really? Like this person, he doesn't even know what planet he's on. And Hank's partner starts speaking Spanish to Hector and basically asks him like, are you on the planet Mars? And he doesn't ring the bell. Are you on the planet? I don't know. Like Venus doesn't ring the bell. Are you on the planet Earth? He rings the bell once. He's like, oh, great. Uh, seems as he knows like what planet he's on. And so they ask him like another question that's like, I forget what it was, but it was like vaguely incriminating of Jesse. But then they get to like the big question, which is like, was, you know, was Jesse like working with Tuco or like, was it Jesse who shot Tuco? Was Jesse at the house? Like it was something, it was, you know, something larger along those lines. And Jesse's like break, bracing himself and Hector doesn't ring the bell. Hank gets like kind of pissed because he's like, I know that this dude was there. I know that this dude was involved. Like, and so they re-ask the question and Hector just stays staring at Jesse, mean mugging him, but doesn't ring the bell. Then Hank says something along the lines of like, come on, like, don't, don't you want to help out like the DEA? Like this would be a, a huge help. And Hector like turns away from Jesse, looks at Hank starts to like kind of get out of the chair like a little bit but not really and then fully just shits in the wheelchair like while maintaining eye contact with hank the whole time they're like right guess that's a no uh and i'm meaning like guess this guy does not want to help the dea uh or the authorities 
Yeah, because Gomez makes a comment that like they the DEA is aware of Hector's history because he's part of like an old Mexican cartel. He has old Mexican cartel ties. And so like there's an old code that they go by. Just, they're always against, you know, federal or state authority of any kind. So then Jesse gets to go free, but it also does mean that the DEA keeps the money that they were taunting, taunting him with earlier. So Jesse is flat broke and has nothing. Jesse does call Walter and he's like, everything's kind of worked out. Walt's like, okay, cool. Let's, uh, once I get out of the hospital and stuff, we'll, we'll start cooking again. And, and Jesse's hesitant. And he's like, I don't know if I, I still want to do this. Like, are you sure? Like we have a lot of heat on ourselves. And Walt's like, what's changed? I like that's a very key of like, Walt will go through the fiery pits of hell before he's done because uh, he, he wants to make sure he leaves something behind for his family. He doesn't care what road he goes on anymore because he's already committed to this lie because also in this episode, he he gets signed on to see a therapist even though he tries to like talk his way out of it and he has a, a, a session with a therapist and he's like, I can tell you anything in confidence and you can't tell anyone, right? That's like the the... Uh, code here and he's like yeah as long as you like you don't plan to you know hurt yourself or somebody else I can't report you I can't report anything to anyone else that stays between us and Walt straight up's like I'm, I've lied like I remember that night I just he, he, he throws a different kind of lie of just I can't be around all of this anymore sometimes I just need the space because I feel like I'm not in control of my own life and he goes down talking about his his true fears, but he also starts to realize how much damage he is currently doing to his family. What I found interesting was that that moment with his therapist was almost a direct parallel to Skylar's monologue when she was going off on Hank, just like listing off all of the things that are wrong in his life, which are the things that are also wrong in Skylar's life, but just seeing the different ways in which those were handled, quote unquote. And also, you know, Walt is dealing with all of this other stuff that Skylar doesn't know about. We we get a little more investigating going on. So during this episode, Hank's also kind of like debriefing with his higher ups kind of thing because he actively fired his gun in a situation and killed someone when he technically wasn't on duty and shouldn't have been there. So there's, of course, a lot of questions of like, why were you out there, Hank? And he's like, well, I was looking for my brother-in-law. You know, he he went missing and... You know, I was following this kid, Jesse Pinkman's car. I think he's got something to do with the situation. Kind of after all this, like, Hank kind of, like, gets out of, like, his frustrating part of a uh, debriefing. But then he he starts theorizing that the people who stole the best lamine uh, are the same people who cook the blue meth. And he believes that they worked with Tuco because they found the blue meth at Tuco's house where he shot Tuco. As he's as he's like kind of leaving, he gets surprised with the party of success of taking down Tuco, and it's just like cake and everything. And there's like it's like this most crudely drawn cake. Oh my god, <laughs> it was horrible. That cake was so bad. And then he got a trophy, which I find so bizarre. But he got a trophy of Tuco's grill inside a lucite cube, so it's like in a gel cube. 
and it's like Tuco's, you know, grill of teeth in in the cube as like a little trophy gift that the department put together for him. But then like we do wrap the episode up with Walt returning home and he and Skylar are like not on good terms because like Skylar does not give him any attention. And this kind of like leads into our next episode. But before we get there, a fun trivia fact about that prop of the grill and the Lucite cube. It sold at auction in 2013 for $20,250. Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, it leads us to our last episode that we're talking about for this episode of our podcast. Episode four, Down, is the title. It was written by Sam Catlin and directed by John Dahl. So this one was a lot less like actiony and just a lot more like angsty. This has had a lot of like narrative stuff kind of going on with it. I think my biggest thing is that like, oh man, the way that Skylar changes in this episode was rough. It was difficult because and and it felt weird as an audience viewer too. Because objectively, like me being Adam, I had to check myself to be like, Skylar's like not doing a great thing right now, but also is not unjustified in the thing she's doing because she basically just starts acting exactly like Walt. She leaves the house randomly, doesn't tell him where she's going. When he asks, she's just like out. And that's always her answer. She's just like out and goes out for long periods of time, comes back. Like she is pissed and it's clear that she's pissed. There's something that I picked up on that I don't know if it's contributing to this or not, because I think it happened the episode prior, not in this episode. And it was a very brief moment, but Skylar was like going through a bunch of like old photographs and things like that. And she picked up a photo of her and some dude. It wasn't, I don't know who the dude was, but she just picked it up. It was like her and some dude and she looked at it kind of like longingly and it was depressing for a minute because it was like, damn, she is so unhappy right now. She's really out here thinking about some other guy or like when she used to be with some other guy or something. At least that's how it read to me. And now she's just constantly like leaving and going out. And so I couldn't help but put those two things together. But that at this point in time has not been established at all so walt jr ditches the name walt jr and has started going by flynn and also kind of starts treating waltz like as if he doesn't care so walt is just constantly alone at the house for pretty much this whole episode as skylar and flynn are just leaving doing their own thing leaving coming back doing their own thing and meanwhile jesse is having a horrible time absolutely horrible time he winds up in a lawyer's office with his parents because we find out that the house that he thought he owned that was left to him by his aunt was actually not left to him. It, it The deed does belong to the parents, but it was like for him to like exist in. His mom went in there after the DEA, after Hank dropped by and found the meth lab before he was able to move it out. And so... They kicked him out of the house. And so Jesse is like trying to call Walt constantly. And Walt is just like not 
having it. He's like, stop calling. We're not doing this right now. Like, I don't give a fuck. And Jesse is, his life is in absolute shambles. We see Jesse like wakes up in the house and the movers are there. His mom is there. He was given like 72 hours. And I guess he didn't use any of that time to do anything because they, they just immediately started loading him out. He had a box of stuff found some guy he used to be in a band with which that di- this dichotomy in this scene was so funny it was literally just uh like think about the guy who was like such a party animal in college who now has like a dime piece wife and a small toddler and like works for like i don't know an insurance company and makes uh, hella money like just like super dude bro happy to be here like reminiscing about the old days as he tries to feed his kid carrots. Jesse's there and he's like, yeah, man, like you can absolutely just like hang out for, for a couple nights while your house gets debugged because that's the lie that, that Jesse told. He's like, oh, thank you so much. And then the wife comes home and she's like, oh, hi. And the guy's like, yeah, you remember Jesse, he's going he's gonna to stay here for a few days while his house gets debugged. She's like, great can you help me with something in the back room? And it was like, and Jesse immediately knew when they walked away that like, that was going to be the case. And so the guy comes back out and he's like, dude, you're going to hate me. I forgot the in-laws were coming by. So you're not going to be able to crash here. We're like, you've got somewhere else. Right. And, and Jesse was like, Oh yeah. Like I've got tons of friends I can call. And then like leaves because he doesn't actually have anywhere to go. Stops at a gas station. Then his bike gets stolen he's just having a horrible time manages to make his way to the car lot repair place where the RV was taken, tries to use the porta potty falls over and gets covered in the just disgusting blue dye and all of the literal shit and waste that's in the porta potty. He climbs into the RV sobbing and has to put on his like respirator mask because he can't handle the smell of the chemicals and the human waste that he's currently covered in and falls asleep on the floor of the RV. So that's where we see Jesse as Walt is having a much more suburban struggle. Walt is like finally confronts Skylar when she comes home one day and is like, can we, can we please talk? Like I just, I want to talk about whatever's going on. She brings up this second cell phone thing, which he adamantly denies. Skylar's basically like, just tell me the truth about like where you were going and like what you've been up to. And Walt is like, like what do you like what do you want? Like there is no information. And she just gets like really exasperated and basically is like, Okay, well, as long as you're not gonna tell me shit, I'm gonna still like go do my own thing. And like, here we are. And he he even brings up like, what do you think I'm like having an affair? And she's like, are you? And he's like, no. He's like, I, I, I could never, I would never like, I'm not cheating on you. There's no affair, like anything. So she, and that's why she's like, so what's like, what is happening? And he's like, what's happening with, with what? And like, it was just sad. It was just sad. Meanwhile, we cut back to Jesse and the guy who, so Badger's cousin who like towed the car and owns this lot sees like blue footprints leading from the porta potty to the RV and like opens the RV up with a gun and and like threatens to like shoot Jesse until Jesse's like wait hold up like this is my this is my shit like what you know I, I I'm the guy who like you towed this for he's like oh, okay like you got my money to like get 
get your RV back? And he's like, I just, I don't have the money right now. And the guy is basically like, I know what all this shit is and I know what I could get it. Like I could sell it for, like I have a, I have a buddy who like, I can just sell all the stuff that's in here and that'll pay for it. This is like, please, I just need like a week. Like he's like, I'll pay you like twice as much. Here's my offer, which like was actually a very good offer. The guy did not take it at all. Kicks Jesse out. Jesse sneaks back in, gets the RV turned on. We cut to this dude on the phone talking about like what he is going to sell all this stuff for. He's like given a number on the phone, which we don't hear. He's like, bet. And then Jesse drives the RV through the gate and out the lot and gets to like Walt's place and is basically like, I need, I need my half of the money. Walt's like, there is no your half of the money. Basically, he was like, you, what, did you blow it all on drugs already and everything? And finally, Walt does, like, after they talk, like, does hand over money to, to Jesse. Well, they actually have, like, a full-out brawl. Like, they fight each oh, other. Oh, brawl. Yeah. Yes. They, 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 yes. Like, Jesse chokes Walt out fully. Like, I was like, damn, you're about to kill this man with cancer. That's crazy. And he asked for it. Like, Walt literally asks him to kill him too because Walt's like he he can't deal with how his family is just ignoring him and 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 like falling apart yeah he doesn't want to deal with the problems that he caused that was um that was like our that was a big like tension moment for sure was like actually finally seeing Jesse and Walt have a physical altercation it was it was building up and and it's I'm both surprised yet it's expected but like it happens so early it feels like for a show that we know it goes on for a while but like i mean it was time honestly because of all the shit they've been through but no it's also i just couldn't help cheering for jesse when he got the rv and busted out i was like yeah 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 i was like hell yeah yeah we see jesse with the rv again at the end of walt and skylar having their fight and skylar just drives off but like as Walt's chasing her down the driveway, he notices the RV and then he just has this conflict of personality again. And then, you know, Jesse and him fight and then he ends up splitting the money that he's hidden and the vent in the baby room, but keeps an extra stack for himself that he doesn't split. Yeah, I like the words you use there, the personality split between literally his wife driving away and Jesse driving up. That was, that's, a, that's a cool way of looking at that or describing that. Because he he clearly is taking on this monic I, this criminal moniker, but like he doesn't know how to handle it because he is just this everyday chemistry teacher, arguably not just a chemistry teacher because of all the crazy shit he knows. But yeah, and then it was really shocking at the end of the episode that we see Skylar parked outside a convenience store and she lights a cigarette and starts smoking, and you're just like things are not okay. Some fun trivia, when Jesse is breaking into the uh, the car junkyard, originally they were supposed to have like a guard dog and it was supposed to be like this whole thing with being chased by a guard dog, but then it was too expensive to hire uh, a dog for for the scene budget, so they just substituted this porta potty. Out of everything, the dog was too expensive. Interesting. But also, um, we, we haven't talked about it, 
this episode down and then the first episode of the season 737 had little black and white teasers at the beginning, right? Oh, yes, you're right. I want to know your thoughts because I know what they mean, so I can't talk about it. But I'm very curious what your thoughts are about them because clearly they're connected. Sure. I mean, I honestly don't think I think anything about them quite yet, if I'm being honest. Because I I watched it and I was like, okay. And then the episode happened and there's so much that happens in the episodes that I'm trying to like maintain and be there for that I I honestly have not necessarily put anything together from those uh, couple like black and white preclipses yet. No worries, no worries. But the recap for the audience, I think the first episode... I mean, they're like very distorted. It's like very found footage feeling, right? And it's yeah. black and white, so it's like it's a very it's very different from anything else that even the flashbacks in season one that we that we got. Like it's a very different film. Even even like the rest of the teasers in this season so far, like because season or sorry, um, episode two, the teaser was just Jesse's car hopping up and down with the uh, hydraulic systems, but like that wasn't in black and white or anything. It was just like we just saw this car bouncing and glass kind of bouncing around, which is like beautiful. It's a beautiful shot and sets up like so much of like questions of what's going on. But like these particularly are telling like their own story because the first one at the end of the teaser realized it's a pool and there's like this eyeball of some sort floating around yeah there's like a there's like a um there's like the teddy it's like a teddy bear sort of stuffed animal thing that the eyeball came out of and it's just like floating in the pool yeah and then this episode down its teaser kind of like had more had someone picking it up and putting it into a bag and then we see glasses that look like Walt's glasses but can't confirm that so it leads a lot of intrigue of like, what do these mean for the end of the season? Because clearly it's going to mean something for the end of the season. Yeah, I and I guess I like I, I've stored them, but I don't necessarily have thoughts yet because they are so just vague still at the moment where it's like, OK, well, I'll learn soon, I suppose. Like <laughs> that, that is the state of the show. There's a lot going on in every episode. It's just jam packed. Well, I think that kind of wraps up season two, unless you got any last lingering thoughts, questions. I'm excited we recorded this because it means I can keep watching uh, the episodes so that they don't get melded in my brain. Because I, I am, I'm really enjoying watching this. I, I am equally as invested so far in season two as I was in season one, which I cannot say for a lot of shows, I feel like, that uh, have extensive season runs. So next up, to continue our spooky month of October, because we're going to go spooky for the rest of the month for everyone, I randomly popped up with the idea because I was just having a hard time finding an interesting kind of theme for spooky movies instead of like, you know, the classics of like, oh, let's do a slasher, let's do a creature feature and stuff like that. But then I was just like, wait, Stephen King has a lot of adaptations of his work. What if we each pick something from that? So I decided that I would like to do Pet Cemetery, the 1989 film. But the movie I chose, I didn't realize it was a Stephen King adaptation, is the 1998 film Apt Pupil. 
But yeah, so that does it for us with Resonant Reels. If you like the podcast, you're having fun with Breaking Bad, if you're watching it for the first time like Adam, let, let us know your thoughts of predictions of how the season goes, unless you've already binged it kind of thing, which I understand in this day and age. I'm exhibiting a lot of restraint. But yeah, let us know your thoughts, comment, uh, rate us, give us stars, you know, subscribe, follow us, all the things. We post updates to Instagram a lot. That's the place to kind of check in about stuff from us. I've been Chandler. This has been Adam. And I'll keep being Adam. And he'll keep being Chandler. See ya.